Oh, yeah. Down, dog, donkey. Come. Hang on here. Questions for you, brother. This is Brad Otto coming to you live from Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> Brad Otto and Dave Stolter flying to Vegas. I'm Brad, the first question I get about you, how do you manage your relationships between Matt Lautner, Wade Roger, and the Phil Lautner? Uh, very easy. Just uh, love one another like you love yourself. Got total respect for that. Known you for a long time. I think I crashed on your couch when I was in that young punk period way back when. I'm sure that, was that probably ever... back in my, my uh, wilder days. And you bet. I probably didn't even know that you were on my couch. I'm sure that 98% of the people listening to this would know exactly who you are, but for the 2% that don't, can you just give your history or your background, just a short synopsis, as well as uh, your entry into the bull market fast and furious back in the MAB days? Uh, just a little old Iowa farm boy that wanted, thought he wanted to show a calf when he was young, settled down, had two kids, and bought a little acreage and build cowherd back up and and uh, dabbled around promoting a few bulls, had some good luck, had some bad luck, uh, seen the SD thing start when Dave Geyer come around in the fall of, of 2014, I think, and uh, tugged on Roland Shoemaker and Dave Geyer's yep. coat to, to uh, that I wanted to be a part of that. And, and uh, Dave Stoltz, Rick Fry, and myself started kind of from that first full fall, and, and here we are in 2022 and, and, and growing pretty strong. Being the inventor of bread or figuring out that people would need gasoline someday to drive their cars around, you guys at the base level, Dave Stoltz, Rick Fry, and Brad Otto, you just had a vision stronger than the rest of us. Boy, I, I think wish Dave Gar had the strong vision as far as the platform is concerned, and he could tell you in more depth. Mm -hmm. A lot of the sellers were offered much for customer service. I mean, they had a platform and, and, and uh, everything kind of supposed to take care of itself. And, and I think Rick and Dave and myself, along with Roland and Geyer, uh, had, had maybe bent over backwards and done some things that, that some of the other companies hadn't been and, and uh, just kind of got the snow, snowball rolling and, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. She's coming down the hill. Yeah, I'm trying to work on my interview skills. My executive producer, Kevin Mears, will sometimes mute me, but I'm trying to just ask a question and then let the let the person answer it. So uh, it would be my, and maybe this is my personality flaw, it would be my habit to interject whenever I wanted to say, come, come over the top of you, Brad. But Kevin Mears tells me that if I'm going to make it to that next Joe Rogan level, I need to ask the question and then shut up. So I'm working on that. I'm working on that. A year or two ago, Mr. Brad Hook told the story of coming over the rise of that hill and discovering TH, you know, similar in terms of impact to the industry. A little bull by the name of MAB still gets bred to this day. Probably the best, you know, red and white TH carrying bull out there to try to make some wild colors. Can you just give the origin story on that bull? He, uh, he ranks high on my list. He's in my top five list from the last 22 years since I started doing this full time. A uh, buddy of mine who I was longtime friends with uh, had uh, th this is this is a little story for everybody starting out that has got two cows or five cows or however many cows. And they say that you can't compete with the guys that have got hundreds or 200 or 500 cows. Greg Bernhardt at the time owned two cows and he'd. He'd done some clipping. We'd done a lot of stuff back and forth. Long story short, 
he mentioned this animal when he was born in the spring and, and thought he was absolutely unique and a beast for for one that age and and uh late spring went up there took a look at him uh partnered with him with todd rao and uh we didn't know what we were doing I was around phil's for several years and you were around there as well so maybe learned a little bit about the ins and the outs uh from watching and learning and and we did not take him to Denver. We did take him to the Iowa Beef Expo. Not sure it did us any good or not, but we did take him down to display at the Iowa Beef Expo. We did some advertisement and brought him to Nichols. At that time was in Ankeny before they put the new facility up. Uh, had known a lot of people in the business. Got in the car, got splattered around a little bit the first year. And uh, the next spring was early in the cabin season, was getting some very positive calf reports and uh which was good dana dennert uh robbie van hove some guys around home they were just liking what they saw todd rao was bragging on what he was having born some some point in time nick ryman uh which was friends with todd drove up there and, and seen 15 18 of them they were all very very consistent good marketable and hey there was you could sure pick him apart and there was he dang sure wasn't for the faint of heart and uh, enough to con question some, some things about Just A question about that. So, I mean, you talk about what a club calf guy wants in a bull and what a breeding cattle wants in a bull, and they might be six miles apart. But MAB was a true cow changer. He's very good friends with RJ. And RJ says he remembers seeing him for the first time at stud. He, he thought, what, where, where does this mongrel thing come into play there? And thought that he was absolutely atrocious and rj has got just, a cow or two he flushes to this day just in terms of trait selection with uh mab generally texas tornado those bulls aren't show steers sound in terms of just being able to move across the 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 pin with that show heifer presence or on their ankles and whatnot but what i'm telling you is on these cold-blooded cows and this is this is for you this is for our audience brett uh for those cold-blooded cows uh one generation change, there's probably not a better bull in the in the world than MAB. I say, you know, he maybe wasn't, I never saw MAB in person, but the clones definitely were, weren't what you would call show steer sound. But through genetics and breeding the colder blooded cows, you can kind of balance out those things. We're looking for those freak cow changers in some circumstances. And then there's other bulls that are just more, less cow changing ability, but maybe can be bred to a higher quality cow and you don't have to risk going over the edge. Yeah, I mean, this the thing about MAB is you could line him up with somebody's best donor, and at that point, that that had some added power, some some uh, added punch to to try to make these high end steers, and and it, and many many times guys were disappointed. Where he was the big changer was you could take him to a cow that you could flip a coin whether you're going to put an embryo in her or breed her or AI her. That, that you just didn't know if she was good enough to even try to make a steer out of. And she, and that bull could 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 raise you a 3500 or a 7500 or at times a $15,000 one. And it could be the blandest shorthorn cow, Hereford mm -hmm. cow. Uh, like I said, a cow that, that a lot of guys would say, ah, let's just throw an egg in her. She ain't good enough. He, he was very unique in the way that he could get you something highly marketable out of a out of a female that maybe wasn't top on on some producers list
Well, Brad, thank you for joining us and uh, have a safe flight out to Las Vegas. And we uh, expect to have you back on the show in the next week or two. We'd uh, always love to talk more cattle with you. This has been a truly fascinating podcast for myself, and I'm sure all of our listeners have enjoyed it also. Thanks again. We'll be in touch.